What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of THP Strength. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about our guy, our CFO, our manager. He does everything. He writes programming. He does nutrition. He jumps high. Hunter LaPere. <laughs> but before we do that, we want to just make a shout out to our advertisers. This week's podcast is brought to you by Legion Supplements. One of the biggest questions we get asked is, how can I improve recovery? The only ways to do this is to give your body more of what it already needs. Increasing bioavailability of these micronutrients can help you. In other words, it lets your body do what it is already trying to do during recovery, but better. Getting your nutrition is specifically taking a multivitamin, taking the fish oil, things like that. That is filling the nutrition holes that you have in your current diet. Odds are, if you were to track everything, you would be missing micronutrients. That's why taking a multivitamin can increase performance because it's filling those gaps. It's filling those holes. Secondly, I want to shout out Hawkins Dynamics. If you're looking for force plates and you want to fact check everything that we say, go check them out. They have great leasing options. I know that's probably the biggest concern for people, but that's a great workaround. And lastly, if you're looking to get coached by us, go to thbstrength.com. You can sign up for a consulting call with Austin or Hunter, and they'll see if you're a good fit for us. Obviously, you guys know that we're the best at what we do, and these podcasts hopefully are a testament to that. We love helping people. We love improving performances. That's why I got in this business, in this industry. That's why I shove information into my brain. So if you guys are looking for coaching, thpstrength.com. Nonetheless, let's get into it here. Hunter, you dunked in the first 17 days of going through this challenge. But before we get into that, I think we should cover some of the, the backstory too, because a lot of people have been asking me specifically in my DMs, what changed? Didn't he work with you guys for a year? How does <laughs> what happened in the last 17 days that led to this astronomical improvement in performance? And I'll give the floor to you. What happened a year ago when you reached out to us? How did you even find us? How did you even come to be a part of THP? People also probably wonder that. <laughs> All right, I'll try to give you like the 60 second rundown. So basically I've always wanted to dunk and I set out on a mission last year, like I'm going to dunk by the end of 2020. And really, I guess this all started in 2018. I started evaluating how I could learn how to jump higher. And that included looking at all the different programs online and just rolled through them unimpressed with most of them. And then I was on a flight and came across you all's podcast. Now this podcast that I'm on, what up? And downloaded every episode y'all released, listened to them all on the flight. And got off the flight and was like, these are the people I want to train me. Because I come across a group that seemed to be grounded in science, scientific principles of training, and didn't just give you cookie-cutter programs. So I joined THP and proceeded to do about 50% of what they programmed me and 50% of my own things. <laughs> That's so and weird. It's like you still do that today sometimes. Shut up. We're not but, going no, there I mean, right it now. Was, it was like you do some of the THP training, and I didn't really always do the warm-ups, and I'd play pickup basketball, and I didn't really strive to understand the principles behind some of the exercises and just got obsessed with weights and did really heavy jump squats for an extended period of time and re-aggravated an injury I uh, incurred my freshman year of college playing baseball at Tulane. 
So real yeah. quick, how did this, what was prescribed and what did you do? Because I even sometimes get confused on this and what happened and I, you've explained it a couple of times, but I think it would be good for everyone else to also know this so that they're not like, John Evans hurt you in the first place. <laughs> uh, no, so it was like velocity jump squats with a low weight. And I forget the exact wording on the exercise, but I was like, well, if some is good, more is better. So <laughs> let's just see how much weight I can put on there and still get off the ground. And I think that turned into 285 pounds or something like that. <laughs> And it just didn't feel very good. FYI, the most I will ever prescribe is like maybe 95, 215 pounds. Yeah. And then all like, like the recovery days of the, just like the pump work to flush blood through your joints. I was like, that's just going to turn into a bodybuilding day. And I'd be in the gym for an hour and a half, like going to an eight RPE on all these bodies. It's just like, it, the goal was to get a, a small pump so that you get a lot of the benefits of increasing work capacity, increasing the or the acute increases in hormone profiles, which some people will say doesn't improve performance. If I were a betting man, I'm going to bet on doing them because we know that it does improve the hormone, acute hormone profile, which, and they make you look good. They make you look good. They increase body composition for sure. So that's why they're in there not to increase blood flow to the joint. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> just had to throw that out there. So anyway, I just ended up doing way too much volume and not the correct exercise exercises as they were intended to be done how much and load do you think you added in per terms of percent 300 <laughs> <laughs> percent like conservatively did you ever hear like mike tyson when he's like i broke my back spinal that's how i felt um and so anyway i took a bunch of time off just like trying to recover and that included doing no lower body stuff for a few months finally started to feel better and then i was talking with john i was like hey man i think i'm like ready to give this another go and just stick to everything you're doing and do it the right way this time wait real quick caveat there during that period of time didn't you believe that you had some neural issue that was very serious I don't remember what it was. Uh, yeah, like multiple sclerosis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You thought you had MS, and I was like, "Bro, I'm pretty sure it's just I'm your back, and you're feeling referred pain." <laughs> I'm a hypochondriac. So I was like, I... "Bro, you just jumped with 275 pounds on your back. You're feeling referred pain, nerve pain, as a result of your spine getting compressed, and it's referred pain." And that was like the first thing I told him. I was like, "It's probably back pain. Do me go big three, go on walks." Like I gave you the general prescription that we tell people. That's like evidence-based, peer-reviewed recommendations from the guy that invented backs, basically. And Hunter was like, no, I'm going to get all this testing done. I think I have MS. And I was like, I don't think so, but okay. Well, while, we're on the, while we're on this topic, I'm rereading this book. If you have back pain, I recommend getting the book Gift of Injury by Stuart McGill and Brian Carroll. Brian Carroll is one of the strongest powerlifters of all time, and it'll give you a lot of insight on how to recover from a back injury. This could be a, a future podcast, by the way. Yeah, that'd be a good yeah. one. But uh, So anyway. Finally started to feel better and just told John, hey, I'm ready to get at this again. And let's just do it the right way this time. And I was like, it might be worth like actually recording and see what kind of progress I can make if you actually just stick to it and don't do stupid shit on the side. <laughs> Which, by the way, I didn't totally follow. So I started doing two-a-days last week with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai. And that shit is really hard. So Real quick, I intentionally in decreased his training load so that he could adapt better and stay healthy. And the first thing Hunter does after one week of great results is add more training. Because he was like, look, this is working great for me. The solution is to change it. Yeah. 
when something's going good, just let's throw wrenches. Just, just, just what happens. Fuck yeah, it so up. <laughs> I'm like trying to figure out how I can just not get in the way of my own self. It's hard. It's a little frustrating sometimes, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think we've covered this. What happened during your 45 dunk? So, so, uh, so, so you embarked. We didn't even cover the point of the yeah, topic. Yeah, we didn't. You just we didn't. How you ended up with us and you dunked in 17 <laughs> days? What <Yeah>. changed? <laughs> oh, so basically, what had happened was I, I stuck to the training and I used John as a resource very frequently asking what is what am i what's the intent of this exercise what am i trying to do how do i properly perform this workout routine trying to go against what i did in the last round of john's training and then isaiah and i would have conversations offline about hey can you review this jump form what do i need to work on and between the two brains of isaiah and john there was just a substantial amount of progress that was made in 17 days to be exact going from yeah, I think I probably added, I don't know, two, maybe three inches on my vertical. And then my high bar squat really jumped, which I didn't expect. It went, I'd never really done any heavy high bar squat before, only low bar squat. So my high bar squat was pretty trash. You uh, did it early. You did it last year. Yeah, I did it last year. And I, I, I got 405 and I got 435 last week pretty easily. And then jump I thought thing. I was doing a power clean, but apparently it's a full clean. But I've never really done cleans before besides, like, high school football. And that got up to 275. So that was pretty cool. And got my first dunk. That was also pretty cool. <laughs> and then just yesterday, I only – I had a very short jump session because of – Work? Basically, someone walked in, and I, and I had to get out of there. But in 15 jumps, I had two pretty clean dunks. So that was pretty cool, too. So yeah. Oh, so that session got cut off clean. short? Was, that session got cut off short. That's why it was yeah, only, 15, only like jumps. 15 jumps. I literally warmed up, got in there, probably had five or six jumps to myself. And then this dude walked in and I was like, oh, great. And he wanted to like play. And I was like, hey, can you just throw me a, a couple alley-oops? And he was like, yeah, sure. And after five, I felt bad. And I was like, all right, I'll leave now. So you can like, shoot. <laughs> Soft, dude. If you're listening to this dude at the gym, get out of there. Leave so Hunter can help us. <laughs> yeah, so like 15 jumps two dunks and they were much cleaner than the ones than they the were nice time. they were nice you yeah. i would say he quote unquote punched them relatively yeah. so for the guys that want to see his progress i would recommend checking out his instagram it's hunter underscore lapair and on there so we did a 45 day dunk challenge and he basically tracked every single day and is still tracking every single day and what the purpose of the day is, how it went, how he felt. So you can go on there and literally go from day one all the way up to day 17. We still have about a month left in the challenge. Where do you think you're going to be by the end of the 45 days? I, By the way, did you see the, the meme that was made about your dunk progress? I love that guy. He's John, like, I don't know if you saw this. but Which one was it? I think I did. So, Super Isaiah said, this is going to be Hunter at the end of the 45-day dunk challenge. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's a mixtape video like of like dunk contest. One thing I actually wanted to say was that the first time Hunter did start working with me, he did actually see a lot of progress, specifically on his approach off two feet. He actually did start to make considerable progress in his max strength and his power clean and things like that. And then Hurt himself. I was and... also in a deficit during that time. 
You were on fourth forced deficit, caloric deficit. Oh, okay. Which yeah. Probably made the load that much more difficult. And it was not good. <laughs> but when he got hurt, I was like, look, it's probably this. You're probably going to be fine. Whatever else. I've herniated a couple discs and I have nerve pain from when I was a kid, when I was like 15. Actually, yeah, it was 15 when I did it. A lot of people have made that like a hit on me. Oh, you hurt yourself. You don't know what you're doing. It's like, no, I hurt myself. So I know how to make sure you don't hurt yourself in the future. <laughs> like, And people are like, oh, you're always hurting stuff. I'm like, that's from the previous 10 years of my life that I did the wrong things and listened to the wrong people. And now I don't advise other people to do the same thing. And I train pain-free six days a week at 27 years old. That's pretty uncommon. Anyways, backtracking to Hunter. He did the things that I recommended, did some BFR, did the back exercises and stuff like that and slowly progressed back. Then we moved into a deadlift progression, which was about a month, I want to say, just to make sure that his back was proficiently strong and that he had requisite strength so that he would be able to even do the training in the first place. And then he was like, hey, I'm through this cycle right here. I feel ready to really hit it hard because it was still brought down. The needle was dialed back a little bit in that cycle to make sure that he could get back to doing power cleans and squatting and jumping to some sprinting to some degree. And then I was like, okay, if we're going to really focus on this, I think this is going to be the best option for you because one, you have a tendency to push too hard too soon Two, you're just coming off a back injury. So we don't want to push the volume and the work workload too high and re-injure you. Obviously three, if your goal is to dunk as fast as possible, then we need considerable amounts of unloading so that you're able to perform on the days you're actually jumping. And if your deficit is jumping, then we need you to get more jump reps in, which means we can drop back a day of the heavy weightlifting, drop back a general day of the training and focus on these higher intensity days, dropping volume overall by about 40%. Whereas with Isaiah right now, he probably has a similar comparable volume actually to what Hunter does, but relative to the past what do you think your volume is right now maybe like 50 percent. right now i'm literally just doing isometrics and upper body <laughs> wait you haven't squat you didn't do anything yesterday i haven't done anything since thursday i've just been doing isos is your quad that bad not nah, sorry to hijack the podcast what <laughs> this is news to me yeah so i we talk about business we don't talk about his training all the time guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you guys can tell. Yeah, wait, um, so what happened? So I decided I don't want to get back to training until the pistol squats to a three. So I've just been doing ISOs and then doing a pistol squat to test in the morning. I'm down to a 4.5 from a That's, seven. Oh, a seven. Okay, all right. Did you yeah. do what you're doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. How did it get so bad? Or was it just that you could never do that? You just never tried? It was that. Like I think I was more healthy than I thought because I was doing like bilateral test and i think i would just naturally like um, bias it yeah i would bias you were less healthy yeah yeah okay um so my plan this is a plan i literally wrote it out i just haven't told you anything <laughs> but my plan was split squat till i was at a three pistol squat till i'm at a three and then i'm gonna do slow strength with split squat instead of regular squat that way your front squat went up how much the cycle i never tested but i'm guessing it probably went up 15 around 15 pounds yeah so not for waste, but I want to see you jumping soon. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm not mad. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> relative to his previous training load, he was probably around, he's probably right around 10% of what he used to do. <laughs> but prior to that, he was where Hunter is right now and probably was about 60% in terms of workload. And 
the reason that works is because you're able to recover a lot faster and the quality of the session goes up a lot, but you're not necessarily training to train in terms of long-term progression and improvement. That's the type of training I actually want to save for later on in someone's career, because building that base as much as you can early on is what allows you to perform to a higher degree later on. So if earlier you are building the base of that pyramid as big as you possibly can, and then building that, those base layers of volume and workload and everything else, again, you're training to train. So whenever I back off all the training load, like I did for Hunter, it's easy. <laughs> it's not hard to jump high twice a week whenever you've been training way more, probably five hours more the previous three, four or five months. And I always talk about Tucker and Cammy and Tom. The reason why I push them so hard so much right now is because they're relatively young. They have good training experience and their compliance is crazy high. So I'm trying to push them as much as possible so that whenever they do want to perform well or whenever they do want to jump high or whatever else, I can just back them off or later on in their career, I can just be like, yeah, let's just pull away from all this different stuff. And of course you're going to run faster. You're going to jump higher because your workload is so much lower and they're not really, what are they competing for right now? Cammy might do a meet or whatever else, but other than that, Tucker is a student just trying to jump higher and he's in his like sophomore, junior year. And Tom is in the same position. So they're young enough. They're really plastic in the sense of they can adapt and they can handle a lot of different loading. So with Hunter, that was purpose was he loaded up. Was it what, how old are you? 26? Yes, sir. <laughs> when you turned 27, March 20th. When did you turn? When did you graduate high school? 2012. Oh, same as me. You're just a young buck, huh? I was young for my class. Yeah. Yeah. Wait till next year. It really hits you. You're close to 30, really close to 30. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know, right? Hit 30 today. <sighs> and uh, yeah, anyways, Hunter's a lot older. He's got more training experience, all those things. So it worked backing him off. We get him back to that higher loading. Yeah, we'll see. Right now he's doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu, so I can't really afford to add training load. He might get hurt. But yeah, that, that's basically what happened. I storied it every day for the last 17 days. I talked about what the purpose of each thing was, and Hunter's focus was a lot better. I think one reason that you really improved was the approach rehearsal. Do you want me to expand upon that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. about you. Let's see how I want to phrase this. So jumping is much more about form than I had previously thought. And a big part of that is getting down to the point where when you are lobbing the ball to yourself or you are approaching a jump, you are not constantly like thinking about how to jump and so a big part of that was understanding that skill needed to be acquired and then throughout the day realizing that the best way for me to approach was either a five or six step and so during the day it would be right left 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 right left and then throughout the day you're just telling that to yourself and then during warm-ups is what you're thinking about in between sets at the gym is what i was thinking about and then isaiah and i spoke at length about that but also the positioning of your arms as you're approaching and uh, yesterday, so I don't know what day that'll be. I'm a few days behind on Instagram, guys. My apologies. But when I posted two dunks, that was the first day where I really was thinking about the approach per Isaiah and I's conversation about the arms and the in the six whoa, steps. Whoa, 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 whoa. John, you were involved. <laughs> <laughs> Could have uh, swore I was on the call. Weird. <laughs> 
but I, I don't think there's, I think a good part of it was sticking to the training and then maybe even an equal amount was just really trying to hone in on the skill of jumping. And like I think that's more important actually. <laughs> yeah, probably. And then yeah, I'm serious. Understanding like what you're trying to accomplish with your approaches versus just, I'm just going to go jump. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that we haven't talked about that has really hit me recently and obviously Hunter now and Isaiah alluded to it too. We get this question all the time, which is, oh, are there any drills? And previously I've been like, no, F that. <laughs> like drills are stupid. But I've been looking a lot into the research on as I got more into plyometrics recently, pre-activation and then talking about motor sequencing when I was on a call with the guys from Hawkins Dynamics and they were like, the approach starts even before you toss the ball if you're going on a lob or if you're doing a foul line dunk you're already programmed to know what to do even before you start that run up. You've already set the trajectory of your run up. And I was like, that's actually true. If you ask Isaiah or I on our best jumps, what were you thinking about? We're like, I saw myself crushing the dunk. I saw myself just destroying the ball. And that's true. You already have set the trajectory of your run up and all of your motor patterns before you did anything. You saw yourself jumping high before you jumped you felt the confidence in your approach even before you jump. And that's how our best jumps are. I think Isaiah and myself could attest to that. And getting into that flow state is really hard. And I realized that is what anticipation is. That is what jumping, or that is how you get those freak performances is like in pregame, why do you do that? Well, because you're just so confident. There's so much confidence. There's people watching, you've done it a million times. You're like, I know what it feels like to jump high. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to jump as high as I can. You don't think about anything. It's just automatic. Hunter talked about this. It was unconscious competence. It's that level of confidence and competence in whatever you're trying to do. And if you look at the research, it's like, did we just lose them momentarily? We lost John. But I think what John was alluding to is that, oh, he's back. And he's gone. <laughs> this is going to be fun for me. No, that Hunter, listen, this is what you're going to do. If you're a viewer, guys, the recording just stopped because I unplugged my mic for me and he just cried. Hunter, this is what you're going to do. You're going to just play. Don't clip them all together. Just grab the raw file. Just continue with your competence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Hunter. I kicked the little connector off with my foot. Anyways, you if you're, I did. I got excited about what I was about to say. If you look at the research, if you dive into it, it basically says that every action that you do or the motor control that you're trying to do or whatever it is, is dictated centrally prior to it happening. Like you've already created the patterning and constructed and reconstructed what you're going to do. And that happens through sensory inputs that are giving you feedback as well as your memory and remembering what things feel like. That all said, if you're an athlete and you're trying to get your highest jumps on a given day, you need to tap into your memory and you need to tap into what did it feel like when I was jumping my highest ever? That's one thing. The second thing is you need to think about what it felt like and you need to think about the sensory inputs that you got. So for me, if I'm throwing a a lob and I'm thinking about my one foot jumps, I'm thinking about what it felt like to crush the dunk and finish the dunk. And then I work backwards. So I actually think about, okay, it just felt low and fast when I was coming into it. It felt like I just felt 
the pressure going through my feet and it just building up. I just kept my momentum rolling through the jump and it felt like I was going down a chute really fast. And you really can only know what that's like until you've experienced it. So when you have those freaky jump days or when you've had those freaky jump days, you need to think back to what did that feel like? What was the pressure like in my feet? What did I feel like in terms of the rhythm? What did I feel like in terms of effort? Where was the tension in my body? Where was the tension not in my body? When, what, what did those things feel like? And by being able to recall that and then try to feel it in your brain before you throw that lob, you're able to better replicate it. So it's all, oh, this is what this felt like. I remember it just, my arms moving really fast. And I remember the tension being in my feet and a lot of tension in my quads. And I remember my feet picking up really quick and tapping down really quick. And I just remember a super aggressive punch to the sky and just trying to throw myself into outer space. All right, I'm just going to replicate that on this jump here. Then you throw your lob and boom, that's what you can start to get into it. And then from there you can build on it. You can chunk it. And that's another thing the research says is like, if you get that part down, then the next part is, oh, I'm just going to crush the dunk because once you feel it, then it's short-term memory. So it's right there. You have it, you're holding onto it in your brain. So the motor control is ready to go. It's prepped. It's primed. You go into the next rep, boom, it's right there. You've already been primed for it. I'm just going to crush this dunk, go up, punch the shit out of the dunk. And you're like, that makes sense because I know what that feels like. And you're just chasing. I always say this, you're chasing sensations and that's what it is. It's you remembering what the sensory inputs were like and being able to replicate that being able to replicate those sensations and be able to chase those sensations. If you ask, yeah. jumps, you feel that, right? You can feel, you can think about it and you can think about what it feels like, but describing it in words is probably really hard, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird. Think about um, that 12, one touch. What were you thinking about? Like absolutely nothing. It was, it was more like, <laughs> I'm gonna like, go get this. I, yeah. Like I knew it was like a hundred percent knowledge that I was going to touch the tab. And the more, and I touched on this a little bit on the podcast with Watt, uh, Matt Watson, the shitty jump days, that's where I'm more conscious about what I'm doing because I feel more uncoordinated. My runs feel choppy. What I'm doing with my arms, I'm picking up my feet. Every like I'm super aware of everything. On the best days, it's like everything just clicks and I don't have to think about anything. And I think just touching this as well the role of like mental rehearsal i feel like is huge in terms of getting your approach down especially that, with build, that like, builds that confidence and then you know yeah. what it feels like you don't have to worry about your approach being on because as yeah. soon as your approach is off you cannot be confident you can't yeah. tell yourself i'm gonna go get this because your steps are off you're like that wasn't right that wasn't right and your body just shuts down shuts that it's, whole sequencing down especially with something like dunking where it's so intense that you can't really practice it all the time guys that are healthy enough to where they could jump hours every single day those are usually the guys with with the the best technique because they were able to to drill that in if if they had if they were conscious of what good technique was and practice that the set the second best thing after that is the mental rehearsal and that was huge for me because i had knee pain from such a young age that like i had to basically find other ways to practice aside from jumping a lot and yeah, you literally just have to do walk walkthroughs is the best thing. It's a, it's a combination of mental rehearsal and actually like physically doing something. You can just think about it, but like walking through your approach and John said, feeling every step, remembering how a good jump feels. And as you're doing a walkthrough, you're thinking that. So when I'm doing my walkthrough, there's like a few things I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about the rhythm of the steps. So it's so I'm doing, I know for a five set approach, my first step has a little skip to it. 
so i skip what's the first that touches down and then yeah, yeah so i like skip into it and then it's like a boom and then i and then my penultimate hits i think like long step so i take a little bit longer of a step while, while i'm walking and then the last two are quick and i'm just practicing that skip ba boom skip ba boom so and you're really over. doing like a four step yeah yeah because so my skip in and your left to go skip in so left, it's a, right. no it's a five step so i'll skip with my left foot so my left foot makes contact with the ground two times so it's forward so it's like forward left and then it's yeah. right left and, right, and then the right, right step right. is a big step so i almost like gallop and then when my left foot hits that's when i like pick up speed so it's like skip skip gallop with my right left big push left right yeah so mine is skip in on the right or i'd lob it be skipping on the right for one foot left right no this would be if i were going two foot so i'd skip in i go left right left right left that's how i would do it left right left right left and that's like the rhythm because you'd be left right left big push you're in the air for a long time big split right left and they hit really quick if it's a one foot and i'm doing the rehearsal i'm walking through i would gallop in on my right so it'd be gallop gallop first contact is that left so it's one two three four five one two one two three and I yeah. feel that as soon as I start to feel that lean, like you can even see me as I'm walking through because I'm visualizing it. I'm visualizing what it feels like to get the pressure and what it feels mm-hmm. like to quicken up those last three steps as, as fast as I can. And just rehearsing that over and over again. Now, when I go out to the field and I go to do it, I'm so confident. I know my steps are going to be on. I know yeah. as soon as that left foot hits, I'm going to be ready to take off at the correct spot. There's no doubt in my mind, assuming that I have my steps on and I'm the right distance back. So for me, yeah. I'm usually seven yards. My approach is five steps wide of where I'm trying to jump. And right now I'm trying to hit my hand on this little rubber piece, five step, five big steps wide. And then it is, it would be how the end zone's 12 yards. I think it's 10. Are you sure? Yeah. It's a hundred and then each end zone's 10 yards. I have to look this up. I could have. And something while well, John right. looks it up. <laughs> Something that's really important when you're doing any kind of rehearsal, this goes for jump technique and dunk technique. I don't think the speed at which you do your walkthroughs matter so much as the rhythm and the acceleration has to be the exact same. What I see a lot of people, like when they're doing dunk drills, for example, they'll practice it behind the back and they'll do it like like super, like they'll do it fast and then slow down at the finish where that's going to screw you up when you do your dunk. It has to be... Even it if it's slow, the exact same way, <laughs> even if it, if you're doing it slow, the acceleration <clears throat> has to be the same, right? Yeah. Cause you can speed up and accelerate. Acceleration is different from speed. You have to mimic the slow parts going into the fast parts, like at the same rate. So mm-hmm. when you're doing an approach, like it should be an acceleration. still. even though you're walking through it and you're going slow, there should be a noticeable acceleration in your steps. And again, this all comes back to building confidence so that you're able to get that unconscious competence, which ultimately will give you your best performances. It's going to beat out any single cue you think about. I I can confidently say that if you give someone a cue, their performance is going to go down. It's going to go down usually most all times because it's a new motor pattern and there's no competence. There's no confidence. There's no underlying motor patterning and pre-activation is slowed down. So your muscle can't turn on sooner. So there's less elastic storage and your jump sucks. And that applies to sprinting that applies to throws. If you're a track and field athlete, you're doing discus, shot put, jab. It is this ultimate confidence, this unwavering faith in yourself that you're about to do something freaky. That is almost the best way I can describe it for myself. It's what I'm about to do is going to impress everyone in the room. (laughs) And you can do it with anything. You can do like a walkthrough, 
like a, a half mental rehearsal, half physical rehearsal. Yeah, like it, the, I think the more yeah, I think the more specific that you make it, and there is evidence on this. One of my buddies, Dale Hubbard, he was actually my roommate my first year of grad school. He did a, a research review on all of rehearsal visualization. And he's like, it's brain training. And I thought it was BS at the time. I was like, this is stupid. I was like, no yeah. offense, Dale, if you're listening, but I doubt it. I was like, this is dumb. I was like, this isn't going to work. There's no way. How can you improve performance just by thinking about it? I was like, that's stupid. And I was a skeptic. And then I get into these right foot speed jumps, which I'm not really good at. I've been doing them for a while. And I start rehearsing them. Thing. And this is the reason we're talking about this is because this is a large reason why Hunter's consistency has started to go up and as well, his confidence has started to improve and why his performance improved so quickly. And this rehearsal that my roommate talked about, he gave like an acronym and he basically said, you have to try to replicate as best possible what it's going to, what it's going to be like when you actually do it. So how do you do that? You have to put yourself in your brain in the same setting. You have to see it as visually in your brain. You have to see it as best possible. You have to imagine it to the most finite details as you possibly can. You have to get it as close as possible. And then as you're imagining it, and Isaiah, you did this with K54, didn't you? Yeah. Like, yeah, before K54, I got really into meditation probably for two months. And I had injured my, I pulled my, my quadriceps, my vastus lateralis. I remember that. Remember how yeah. you did that? I walk yeah. into the gym and Isaiah's doing a 360 between the legs in game. <laughs> With no warm After up. I told him to warm up. <laughs> that was his warm up. Yeah. I tried to do it on somebody. I was like, bro, what did we just talk about? I literally am on the tram. I'm like, Isaiah, you can handle warming up on your own. And you're like, yeah, I got this. <laughs> I walk in five minutes later. He's like, <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck did we just talk about? Yeah. Pull the squad. Yeah, that's what happens when you dunk in front of a big group of people. There's no discipline in dunkers. When you, when you put a bunch of people addicted to dunking. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, I, I pulled my quad so I couldn't do anything. And this was literally two, like two months, maybe a month and a half leading up to Kawhi 54. And I could not practice my dunks. So I got really into meditation I had originally done it just for mindfulness and to handle the fat, be able to handle like being hurt. But during that meditation, I rehearsed K54 over and over. I would do it for 30 minutes. I would just sit in my chair, close my eyes, and I would visualize exactly what was going to happen at K54 for 30 minutes straight. Like it would literally start like me walking into the court, the warm ups, first dunk, second dunk, third dunk, fourth dunk, me winning. And then everybody cheering, like all that, like over and over again for 30 minutes straight every day. And I remember vividly thinking when I won K54, I remember not feeling anything like in terms of hype. I, I was more like, what the fuck? I've done this already. Like, what? Like I've done this a million times already. I don't feel anything right now. I feel like it's like a video game and I just play the same level over and over again. Like after a while, you're not really going to get hype about beating that level. That's how it felt. Like I had just played a video game over and over again. And it literally went down exactly how, how I visualized it. So, yeah, it was a really integral part of winning that dunk contest. But, yeah. yeah. But I think we've covered a lot in terms of that. <laughs> we went hard. With One, the, mental the reason this all plays back, because I think some people would be like, oh, you're hydrated. You hijacked the ball again. Okay. First off, the content we just covered, we were thinking about not even sharing. Like, we yeah. genuinely were going to be like, nah, we're not sharing this. <laughs> 
fuck everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> so the second reason why with our Facebook group and that's it. Yeah. And the second reason why it is super pertinent is because it is largely again why I believe Hunter's performance improved so quickly. It's not like his RFD increased by twenty percent in two weeks or three weeks. It's very unlikely that happened. Maybe, but I doubt it. His squat did go up, his power clean did go up. Obviously those things help. But I believe that his awareness and his ability to connect the dots is way more important. You, I've had this happen so many times in my life, and I know for a fact that Hunter's performance is this underlying coordinative improvement that is a result of him being able to anticipate everything before it happens better. I've had it happen whenever I don't dunk and my squat goes up by 100 pounds, my power clean goes up by 20 pounds, and my RSI goes up. And my high jump goes up, but I can't dunk. Why? Because I didn't practice that motor pattern and there's no, I have no ability to anticipate. There's no confidence. There's no underlying unconscious confidence in that movement. So as he continues to practice it, his RFD, his force output, all those things are super high. <laughs> he just has to be able to sequence it correctly and, and start turning those muscles on earlier and earlier so that he's able to get more and more force out of the jump. And I honestly believe that. So all that said, Hunter, do you have any closing remarks? Listen to the training. <laughs> Do it. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We will catch you on tomorrow's episode. Make sure that you like, comment, subscribe. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure that you leave a comment. That helps the algorithm, which is going to help push us out to as many people as possible. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you tomorrow. Peace out. See you.